This podcast is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Your Money on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Here is Professor Ken Smethers. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Your Money, Sirius XM's Business Radio, Channel 111. That's powered by the Wharton School, and I'm Ken Smethers. A professor here at the Wharton campus in Philadelphia. Remember, we are live every Tuesdays from 5 to 7 p.m., repeated throughout the week. With that, let me uh, introduce uh, Suzanne Snyder, uh, personal finance editor, U.S. News and World Report. She's been on the show uh, you know, uh, several times in the past, and she uh, previously covered paying for college and graduate school. And then prior to U.S. News, she was a staff writer for Kiplinger. Um, and we're going to talk about her column today about negotiating your, your salary. Welcome back to the show, Susanna. Thank you for having me. And if you have a question for Susanna and myself about negotiating your salary, now's the time to call. Again, give us a call here at one eight four four Wharton. That's one eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. So, uh, Susanna, certainly tighter labor markets uh, 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 nowadays. Um, you know, it should be boosting wages and things like that. I mean, what what is the best time to negotiate your salary? Is it during tighter labor markets? Is there a particular season? You know, uh, what's the best timing? I think a good way to look at it is where you kind of are um, as an employee or as a job candidate. So actually, for an individual, the best time is when they're at the end of the sort of the job application process and they are just, you know, dealing with getting an offer and, you know, this employer really, really wants them and they have kind of the most leverage to ask for what they want. Mm. So that kind of in your personal trajectory as an employee is a really good time to ask. Um, When you are a current employee, you can ask for for a pay raise or a salary boost, but you tend to have a little less leverage because you're already committed to the company. It's a little harder to walk away. So if you're looking for the next big time to do this is uh, when you're applying yeah. for a job. Yeah, and there's a reason why the boss often wonders if you bought a house yet. They're trying to figure out how locked in uh, uh, you are. I mean, so you, you certainly when um, taking a new job is a great time, as you said, when you have some uh, leverage. Sometimes people feel awkward about asking about pay and uh, or at least the increase in pay at, at that point or negotiating higher salary. Is, is that expected of a hiring manager or are they expecting you to come back and um uh, uh with you know a counter offer or is that sometimes tricky does it vary by industry what what has been your experience so yes it is so awkward right i write about this and i still find it awkward to bring up these conversations but absolutely if you're especially if you're a job candidate at the end of that that job interview process they expect best you to negotiate. It's not something that if you do it, unless you do a really, really sort of strange, sort of aggressive job, um, it's not something that would result in your job offer being taken away. Um, It should be something that is totally expected. And if you can get up the courage to do it, the worst thing that can happen typically is that you get a no. So there should be no reason to be afraid to do it. But I totally understand why it is very scary for people to bring up this conversation. I wonder if it's because people are afraid, afraid that the offer may be rescinded. Is is that the is that the offer, or is it just um, 
simply because you know it's just weird to come in sounding greedy and everything else. I mean, I actually have heard a scenario where someone negotiated so hard he came across a little obnoxious that the offer was rescinded. But does that happen a lot, or is it more just about coming in, coming in as as though if this job were so great, I'm so devoted to it, why why am I nickel and diming here? I think it's a bit of both. So, yeah, if you do come in and kind of approach it in a way that's a little aggressive or angry or maybe sort of, you know, you're not picking up on the cues that they really, really can't offer you any more than they have, mm. you might sort of, you know, I, I don't have any stats on how common it is to have a job offer rescinded, but you really do want to approach it. Um, in the best way possible, mm. you know, positively, um, with an understanding that sometimes a manager's hands are tied and they really can't only offer you so much. So I think there is a little bit of fear there. And yeah, it, people are afraid of you know, coming across as greedy. I think we're kind of taught not to talk about salary, not to discuss money openly, which is hopefully changing, but there still is that taboo where you think, oh, gosh, somebody's willing to pay me for a job, and I'm saying it's not good enough. Right. But, of course, if you can get up the courage to do this, this is the most effective, probably one of the fastest mm. ways to really, really improve your finances. I mean, by just asking a question, you can make five, ten thousand dollars $10,000 more than you might otherwise make. So there really is a huge benefit from just working up the courage to do it. Yeah, yeah. And again, speaking of Susanna Snyder, is a personal finance uh, editor at the U.S. News and World Report. We're talking about negotiating your salary, if you have a question related, give us a call here at one eight four four Wharton. That's one eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. And another host on our channel, uh, Don Graham, who used to be an HR director, she. Um, well, she used to be an executive recruiter. Um, she she would say that if someone didn't negotiate on their salary, she felt like she made a hiring mistake, and that is you know, she actually respected uh, when people tried to negotiate. So let's talk about raise getting a raise at your current job. You see, you pointed out that you have less leverage um, in that situation. So what are some of the cautions there? Sure. So you do have a little less leverage because, you know, as we discussed before, you're you're more locked in, you're more committed to this mm-hmm. employer. So they're, you know, they're less likely to believe that you'll just walk away. Although, I mean, you could, you could get another job, but it's, it's sure. a lot harder than just, you know, refusing a job offer. Yeah, so with this, you, you can still take a lot of the same steps. You should be tracking the wins, the accomplishments you have throughout the year making sure to position yourself well to ask for a pay boost at your at your annual review or, or at another time when it makes sense. Mm-hmm. But again, you are definitely coming in with a little less leverage than you are as an employee. Right. And then you also say there is a couple of times you really should not try to negotiate your salary. What, what are those two times? There are a couple of times, yeah, when you should maybe think about not doing it. So the first would be, really early in an interview process. I mean, you don't want to be negotiating like yeah. in your cover letter or, you know, in the screening interview where they're basically just trying to get a sense of who you are and if you would be a good fit for the yeah. job. You want to wait until it's the appropriate time in the interview process, usually when there's an offer mm-hmm. on the table and you're really talking brass tacks. Um, that's a good time to bring it up before. It's, it's a, usually a little too early, although there are a few instances where sometimes people might want to bring it up early. 
Um, the other time, and you'll probably know this if you're in this situation, is if they just give you, they just want you really badly and they give you a great, you know, above market offer and it is just fantastic. And there is no reason to go in there and ask for more. They're really courting you hard and all you have to do is say yes. You know, in that case, don't feel obligated to negotiate just because that's what you've done previously. Right, if right. If you know that they're really giving you a great offer, you can go ahead and take it. Yeah, I would say in that case, if if, if you know it's a great offer, you do deflate expectations a little bit by um, over, overreaching. So do you recommend then in those types of cases to know if it's a really great offer that people are using resources, you know, Glassdoor, you know, uh, PayScale, I mean, the things like the, trying to figure out what they – market rate is? Because in some cases, people don't really know what, what, the, what the market rate is. It is. It's hard to determine this sometimes. And the good news is that there are many more resources than there were, say, a decade ago. But it still is kind of a challenge to figure out what people are usually paid for your position or similar positions. But yes, sites like Glassdoor, Payscale can give you a sense of what people are paid. Um, one of the experts I quoted, you know, just wanted to mention to people that these are self-reported numbers. Yeah. It's not like these websites force people to send them their W-2s or, you know, a pay stub. So just keep in mind that it is a self-reported figure. You might want to just kind of use other information as well to round out that picture of what um, that typical pay is. So that would be talking with your network, you know, speaking with people you know in the industry, and also thinking about personally, too, what you're worth. If you have an MBA with 10 years of experience or something like that, all of these can play into what your compensation should look like. Yeah, I read so a, It does take quite a bit of research. Yeah, it, it, absolutely. And it's, a, it's also a lesson about averages. I run a center here at Wharton that we do a fair amount of tech hires. And in that industry, averages are very misleading because it's so – dependent on your specific skill set, uh, and it's really hard sometimes for those websites to be super useful benchmarking. So we, we hinted a little bit about it, I mean, an outside offer. I mean, is that a good way of negotiating kind of with your current company, or is that sometimes viewed by maybe your boss as, hey, why did you go for an outside Offer. I mean, the, the idea is, you know, it could potentially increase the credibility that you're going to get up and go. But what are your thoughts? So what the experts told me on this one is that you shouldn't ever sort of trot out an outside offer if you aren't actually willing to take that job. Yeah. So absolutely, if you get another offer and you want to give your boss a chance to respond and they sort of meet that or, or do something that makes you want to stay at your current company, then absolutely that was a great way to get a pay boost. But if they call your bluff or they say, hey, you know, we just don't have the budget to meet what this other company is giving you, then you should be willing to go to that company. You don't want to just be applying to jobs in order to kind of mess with your supervisors. Um, I think it comes off badly both at your current employer and at the other uh, employer where you might one day want to work in the future. So only do it if you're really serious about the job you're applying to as well. Yeah, yeah, and I completely agree with that. I mean, I have limited uh, personal experience 
with that, but on the hiring side, it was with a previous startup where it happened twice to me. Employees came to me, and I said, <laughs> go for it. I mean, I was actually, in those cases, I think uh, they may have went for an outside offer because I saw the writing on the wall <laughs> at the at the my my firm. But, you know, I think it, that's absolutely good advice um, that if you're trying to bluff your way, it, it really does come come back to haunt you. What a, now, if you're switching uh, jobs, I mean, how much does one figure out how they're worth before heading into the interview? We talked about the glass store. We talked about you know those websites. Is that the primary w- way, or you know, is it tacky to call up other people in that type of position? I mean, uh, have you thought about uh, if the averages on these websites are not great? Um, it, but you know you need to get supplemental information, like you like you said. What what are those other you know subtle ways of doing that? I actually had one expert who talked about trying to call at least ten people um, who could kind of talk to you about what a position like that might involve, what a position you're considering might pay, and that's a lot of informational interviews. But she really really hit home the point that sometimes the best way to get a view of what a position might be valued at is really talking to people who are working in that field right now, reaching out to your network, alumni groups or on LinkedIn, and asking people, you know, what would you price this position at or where do you think this would fall on on the compensation scale? So that's another way to really get sort of a your finger on the pulse of what's happening with people in the industry now. And I think it's a good way to round out um, some of the other online research you might do. That's a lot of work, but it definitely could give you a a stronger sense of where um, that compensation might fall. Yeah, and for the specific company that you're potentially interviewing uh, with, I mean, how does one kind of figure out what they typically pay? Is it is it weird to be talking to employees (laughs) currently at the company? Um, Your thoughts? That's a great question. I think you have to use a bit of personal judgment there. So say if you have a connection to somebody currently at the company, mm-hmm. I think that's a great way to get you know, the name of somebody and start talking to them. Sure. At the end of the day, they might not know what anybody else besides themselves make, and they might not be willing to share their sure. salary. Yeah. So you do have to kind of understand that there might be limited information you get out of that. You also have to be careful just when you're making these calls. You've got to trust people with the information that you're job searching. So also be cognizant of that. You want to make sure you're talking to people that um, hopefully will keep yeah. that information safe or if it gets out that you're not worried about it. So we'll keep that in mind. So let's get more specific. I mean, typically in these negotiations, you know, the usual rule is, let the other party speak first. Maybe they come back with a number that is even higher than what you expected. And so, therefore, you know, you can look in total agreement. And actually, it's a win, win, win. Are, are there times that it makes sense to kind of give your number first? There are a couple times where that might make sense. Um, one that some of the people I spoke with mentioned would be, and this could actually happen a little earlier on in the interview process, and I alluded to this mm-hmm. earlier, but if you – Say, for whatever reason, you know, off the bat, you can't accept less than, say, $60,000 for this job. You might want to say, you know, hey, I'm really excited to to talk about this opportunity with you guys. But before we both invest a lot of time, you know, is this job in this compensation range? You know, I want to make sure we're on the same page at the beginning. So that might be a good time 
to bring it up first and to bring it up early. But typically, people advise you to let the employer make the first offer so you don't accidentally undercut yourself, that you're not offering a lot less than they were you know, willing to give you. Yeah, and then how should you respond? Suppose they, they do make that first offer. I mean, it's less than what you hope for. How do you respond to that? So the first thing would be to start positively. Um, one of the experts said, you know, start with some enthusiasm. So don't become enraged that they offer to you so little. You know, say, you know, thank you so much for that offer, or I'm very excited to kind of to work with you. Um, but the number I had in mind was more this range or, or another range. Yeah. Um, you, you've got to kind of come in positively, but come back with, with a new uh, dollar range. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when Sirius asked me to do this show, you know, they they told me I was going to get paid zero, and I said, you know, <laughs> I expect triple that number, and they they agreed to it very quickly. They they <laughs> saw my immense leverage and capacity with numbers. So it certainly, as you know, Susanna, as some states have modified their laws on potential employers um, asking about prior salary, partly you know because of in low ball offers, things like that. So. What what's happening there? I mean, has that been a lot of states? You know, uh, is they maybe um, they can't in some some states they can't ask, but in some cases you actually do want to divulge. So yeah, I assume it's more about you could still divulge if you wanted to. And how, how many states has really kind of fo- followed this trend? Right. So this is definitely something you want to look into in your own state and find out whether or not it is. A question that employers can still legally ask. I will note, and I've talked to people about this on for other stories as well, that sometimes, you know, I, this happens a lot in journalism. You're talking to somebody who's maybe an editor or a reporter, and they aren't up on the latest laws. So even though they shouldn't be asking a question, they are asking it simply because they don't know that they're not supposed to. Hmm. So if you get this question, it's just a good idea to kind of deflect but do it politely. Don't you like threaten to throw the hiring person in, in jail. Yeah. Um, sometimes it comes up and it's something that even if it's not technically allowed in your state, something that you should kind of politely walk back from. Yeah. How many states have gone that direction? Do you know, roughly speaking? I don't have an exact number. Um, we mentioned the stories in California, Massachusetts, mm-hmm. and New York City are three of the kind of most newsworthy ones that have come out recently. Um, as far as the total number, it, I can't give you an exact one. It's, I think it's, it's, it's increasing more and more considering this, and um, I think for really interesting reasons. Yeah, yeah. It, it, what we've seen in some states that um, they've uh, they've prohibited, it's called you know banning the box, where you don't aren't allowed to ask for criminal activity in the past and things like that, and Unfortunately, that has backfired, it's, it seems like. Um, and so it's actually some recent papers have shown that that's actually promoted discrimination rather than uh, reduced it, as employers often use things that – characteristics that you, they uh, really shouldn't be using as, as try indicators. And so um, it would be kind of interesting to see where that happens in, in, uh, with the negotiation of previous salaries. Um, so is it ever make sense to try to follow up an email? I, I often see this where, you know, you have this great conversation, then the follow-up is on email <laughs> and saying, hey, I would like to have, you know, this type of salary range. I, I, I always found it 
from the kind of the employer side is a little bit um, awkward in the sense that you know it kind of feel like what, what why don't you just bring that up or let's have a phone call or you know things like that. And I, I don't know if I'd say it was wimpy, but just you know. It just seemed a, a, a different way of of doing it. Your thoughts about using email follow ups for kind of negotiating? Yeah, exactly, I agree with you there. Just as it's kind of easier to ask for a different salary or a higher salary over email, it's also easier for the person you're asking to say no over email or to kind of stick to the company line over email. Yeah. So it really is best, whenever possible. To either talk about it in person or over the phone. I think you'll have a better conversation. Um, it'll put the hiring manager or whoever you're speaking with uh, in more of a position to maybe give you a little bit of a higher salary than if you just kind of dash off an email because you're nervous to say it out loud. And then they come back at you with the kind of company line, like, you know, no, we can't offer you this. Yeah. yeah, Whenever you can do it over the phone or in person, do it. And in many cases, you know, the the hiring uh, manager or the company doesn't even want that in email. And so it's, uh, you know, emails often float and that can uh, be a potential you know, a, a risk kind of in that way. So fantastic. This is super informative, Susanna. Thanks so much for coming back to this show. Thanks for having me. For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.